Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. You know, back earlier this year when we were doing resolutions, back um, in the early part of 2020, um, I, I remember one of the resolutions that, that I had for this year was that I wanted to grow spiritually, and I wanted to be able to see it, to know it, um, not, not just to say that, that, um, that, that yeah, I'm, I'm closer to the Lord, but to actually have uh, something at least within that, that I knew that there had been progress made in my spiritual life. And the area that, that the Lord brought up to me during that time was a greater dependence on the Holy Spirit and learning to press in. And that, that's the language that, that I've used over the years and, and even more so over these last few months have been thinking about pressing into the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I would have to say that the Lord has given me opportunities to, to do that, to uh, trust Him more in, in work and in family and uh, in, in ministry and in all kinds of different ways as, as there have been challenges, as there have been opportunities to face uh, difficulty and struggle. There's been grief and sorrow in, in my life and our family's life. And, and now he, here we are in this time of, of pandemic pandemic and, and uncertainty. And so leaning upon the Holy Spirit has been something that, that I've been so grateful that the Lord stirred that up in my heart all the way back in January. That really helps us to realize that we are not alone. And so as we think about uh, the Holy Spirit and the role that, that Christ plays in our life through his Holy Spirit, I want us to consider that today, to be encouraged, to know that in a time of uncertainty, we are not alone. Even when we feel isolated or cut off, we are not alone. And so as we, as we look here in the Gospel of John, we'll be looking in John chapter 14. And so I hope that you can go with me there in your copy of God's Word. John 14, we're going to look at two passages in that text. This is the text where Jesus is telling the disciples that he is about to go away. And Thomas asks him, where are you going and how will we get there? And Jesus tells them that he is going away to prepare a place for them. And if he goes, he will come back and will receive them unto himself. And Jesus or Thomas asks, how do we know where that is? How do we know where you're going? And, and Jesus says to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes into the Father except by me. And so as Jesus walks through this, he makes a sweet promise, not only that, that we will be with him as his people, but that he will also give his people his spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and live within them. And so, so let's look at two different texts here in John chapter 14 where Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit. The first is in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Here he says, "'If you love me, you will keep my commandments.'" And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then over in verse 25, he says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper... 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And the rise is him leading his disciples into the garden where Judas will ultimately betray Jesus just moments later. And the rest of the story is the story that leads us to Easter. It is the, the, the crucifixion and the death of Christ and then his resurrection three days. And so this is an important text for us as we Think about these final words of Jesus in John chapter 14. Those are the things that, he, that, that you would want someone to know. If, if these were your last words before your death, you would, you would say important things if you knew that it was coming. And so Jesus does the same thing here in this text. The first thing that we want to see in this text is the Holy Spirit is given to Christians by the Father at the request of the Son. Now, that's kind of wordy, I think, but I wanted to put all that in there because I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is given first to Christians. The Holy Spirit is not given to anybody and everybody in the world. The Holy Spirit is given to disciples of Jesus, and it's given, he is given by the Father at the request of the Son. We see this in this text. Jesus says that I will ask the Father and the Father will send him in my name. And then Jesus said, I will go to the Father and when I am with the Father, then the Father will send him. This is very important for us in our faith because we understand from a text like this that our God is one God working in three persons. Not three gods, not many gods, but one God working in three persons. Here in this text, we see the Spirit, the Son, and the Father all working together in harmony. And so we begin to learn some things about the Holy Spirit, knowing that he is a part of the Godhead. The first thing we learn about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is spirit because God is spirit. Us because God is spirit. We learn that in John chapter 4, verse 24, where Jesus tells the woman at the well that God is spirit. Humans reflect the image of God in the fact that we have a spirit within us. That makes us different. It makes us unique from the animals around us. They do not have spirits within them because they have not been created in the image of God. As image bearers, we have a spirit as God has a spirit. The Holy Spirit is holy because God is holy. And so the Holy Spirit is God and he is holy. So, so that's where it comes together. Holy Spirit, those words merging together. What does it mean for God to be holy? God's holiness means that he is separate from us in purity and in power. In purity and in power. And so the Holy Spirit is enabled to work in us, to, to bring us through fear and through doubt and through anxiety. He is empowered to do that because he is God. He is 
holy. And so as we look at this text, we understand that God's Spirit is given as a gift to the disciples of Jesus. Jesus says that he will not leave us alone, that he will send us a helper. And it's a struggle for the disciples to understand in this video, how, or in this text, how Jesus going away from them could be a good thing. But Jesus wants them to understand that the, the, the mechanism of the Holy Spirit coming is him returning to the Father. That when that happens, the Holy Spirit will come. God will give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we come to understand that it is a reflection. I know at South Campus, Pastor Ben is working through the book of Ephesians. And one of the things that Paul talks about in Ephesians is how God has lavished on us these wonderful gifts of his grace, of his love, of his goodness. The Holy Spirit is indeed one of the love gifts that God has given to us as followers of Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit help Christians do? Well, we're going to answer that question in just a moment after we watch this short video about the coming of the Holy Spirit taken from Acts chapter 2. Let's watch this together. So it's interesting there as we think about that early appearance of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Because we, we see those disciples, we see those first apostles differently after the Holy Spirit comes. And, and that is directly connected to the power and to the function of the Holy Spirit. And so let's, let's think about that. Because the same Holy Spirit that Peter and James and John had is the same Holy Spirit that you and I have if we are followers of Jesus. And so let's think about this. The Holy Spirit first teaches disciples the word of God. That, that's what Jesus says here in this text. He says in John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. And so, so the Holy Spirit teaches us. He helps us with God's word. And that's important to realize that, that the Holy Spirit is not just pulling things out of thin air. The Holy Spirit is relying on the Word of God around the corner here. And let's imagine that, that we get our patch ready and we go out and the land has been tilled and it's been uh, prepared and, and it's fresh and it's clean and we've gone out and we've dug the rows. But we never put the seed into the ground. And then come June, July, August, we're, we're, we're watching our garden 
And we're hoping and we're waiting for a little sprout to come up and for a plant to produce and, and for whatever produce that, that we're hoping for. We're, we're hoping that that's going to happen. There's a problem. There was never a seed placed in the ground that would produce that plant, that would produce that produce. And so in this text, what we see is that the Holy Spirit draws from the Word of God. That's why it's so important for Christians to be reading God's Word. Is That is the seed that the Holy Spirit uses to, to, to plant down deep in us and to draw from as He helps us, as He teaches us and guides us. And so regularly reading God's Word is important. Because we also see the second thing that the Holy Spirit does is connected to the first. Jesus says the Holy Spirit reminds disciples of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit reminds disciples of the Word of God. He said there in verse 26 that, that not only will he teach you all things, but he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It's such a wonderful thing to, to, to read God's Word and then to draw on it as we move forward. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings that to our minds. We ought not just randomly think that when I read God's word in the morning and then I think about it again during the day, that that was just a random passing thought. No, friend, for a Christian, that is the, the work of the Holy Spirit. We see it here clearly in this text. Jesus says he will teach you and he will bring to remembrance God's word. And so, so when I read a, a story or a passage or a psalm early in the morning and then throughout the afternoon when my mind is wandering or I'm facing a challenge or, or when I'm facing anxiety and fear and I'm looking for somewhere to turn, the Holy Spirit often brings to my mind the passage from God's Word that I read earlier. That is not just happenstance. Happenstance. I think there, there we go. Happenstance. It is the, the Word of God active because of the power of the Holy Spirit within me. And within you as a Christian. And so here in this text, we, we understand that the Holy Spirit teaches and he brings to mind the word of God. And I would say that, that what we see there as we watch that video and think about the work of the first century apostles, that's exactly what happened to them. They began to fully understand the word of God. They could take the Old Testament and trace it to Christ. And that gave them authority and power. And we continually see when they face, in, face struggle, face adversity, that's where they go. That's why they preach long sermons in the book of Acts that are connected to the Old Testament. Because the Holy Spirit is binding all of that together and it's giving them authority to stand. And so when you are tempted to feel alone, to feel cut off, to feel fear and anxiety. The Holy Spirit is longing to comfort. The Holy Spirit is longing to help. We lean in and do our part by trusting in him, by calling on him, and by supplying him the word of God as a foundation so that he can draw from that and teach us and remind us, encourage us, even convict us of our sin as he helps us to grow to be more like Christ. Now, in this text, we've said pretty clearly that the Holy Spirit is given only to Christians. 
this morning, I would ask you as you're watching this, whether it's this morning or this evening or three weeks from now or five years from now on, on, on a social media platform, I would ask you if you are indeed a follower of Christ, have you turned to Jesus? Have you repented of your sin? Have you confessed your sin to Christ? And have you turned to him asking him to forgive you and to lead you? Because he's promised that he will do that. He's promised through his Holy Spirit he will lead us in our lives and that we can see the evidence of that growth happening in us. We can, we can battle in a greater way fear and anxiety and worry. We can battle against sin and temptation. We become more like Christ as we become more obedient, as we become more attentive to the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. This morning, are you clinging to Christ? Have you turned to him? I pray that you, that you have. I pray that you will certainly know that even though we're at a distance, we want to help. You can reach out to the church office. You can find us through the website, eastwoodbc.org, and there you will find pastors who would be quick to connect with you to help you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, even today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you give good gifts. God, we thank you that you forgive us of our sins. We are indeed sinners who are in regular need of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy. And Lord, we run out of things, but you don't. And we thank you for that. Lord, help us to know your, your Holy Spirit within us. Help us to turn to you. Help us to input the word of God. Help us to take it in so that we may grow in our knowledge of you. And Father, so that we may feed the Holy Spirit what he is looking for to bring to our minds, to, to teach and to draw us near to you through whatever struggle, whatever challenge, whatever temptation we may have in life. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you are good and you do good things. For it's in Christ then we pray. Amen. In these last few moments, we're, we're blessed this morning to have Pastor Ben and Pastor Justin gather together to talk specifically to our youth about how they can grow during these challenging times. I really appreciate that message from Pastor Brandon. So, Pastor Brandon, thank you so much. You know, when we come to the season with the coronavirus and everything that we're doing here in this season, it doesn't just affect, you know, the young or the adults or our elderly. It affects our teenagers as well because when you think especially... In the life of a teenager, this is a really important time, right? When they're getting to do a lot of stuff coming into spring, into the school year and all those things. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. So here with Pastor Justin here, um, what do you think is the biggest challenge that students are facing during this crisis? Well, you know, generally students are, in this generation, are, are anxious. And mm -hmm. so this crisis kind of uh, brings that to, the, to a ne next level. Um, and so if, you're, if your student is experiencing uh, anxiety or things already and then something like this happens where it's everybody's yeah. kind of going crazy and, um, you know, they go to the grocery store and they see stuff just, they see people acting crazy, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it can really kind of um, send them to the next level, you know. So it's important to kind of keep your hands on that and keep, keep kind of awareness of where they are. Mm. Uh, even before this, though, uh, this generation, you know, millennials, when they went through um, their growth process, they experienced a lot of prosperity. So it was 
uh, to 80s and 90s, and the, you know, economic growth, there wasn't a lot of war, or there yeah. wasn't a lot of things happening, so they experienced that, but, but Generation Z was born kind of the, the 9-11 generation, so okay. they've never known a time when we weren't at war. Hmm. Um, you, you had the economic downturns in 99 and also 2008, so they've seen that kind of recession and the struggle econo- economically. You've got technology now connecting us like never before, so when yeah. something bad happens in California 20, 30 years ago, we might not have even known about right. it, but now we're so connected as a society. Right here in Kentucky. Everybody yeah. knows everything that happens, 24-hour right. news. So, you know, it's kind of important to, um, to realize that, that they kind of bear the weight of that, you mm. know. They carry that. Um, and, and also our parenting styles have shifted uh, okay. because of, uh, the, the, because of the, the awareness of everything going on in the world. Mm. So we're hypersensitive hyper about safety and things like that. So parenting styles have shifted. And some of the, guys, the people who study this stuff, uh, used to we, we were familiar with helicopter parenting and, you know, all those sorts of things. Now it's called snowplow parenting. Now I, I've, I've heard of helicopter parenting, and maybe our folks watching our church today We've heard of helicopter parenting, but you just you used a phrase just a second ago. Did, did I hear it right? Did you say snowplow? Snowplow parenting. <laughs> so tell me, what is that? I mean, that? That sounds totally different from helicopter. Yeah, yeah. So a snowplow parent is, is a parent who basically tries to remove everything out of the way of their students. So they don't face any challenges. They don't face any problems. We're going we're gonna to take them. We're going to protect them. We're going to keep them safe. And we're going to kind of uh, allow them to be able to kind of go through. If you kind of picture in your mind like an old World War II infantry oh, soldier yeah. falling behind the tank, you know, and he's yeah. kind of taking all the rounds and everything. And then, um, and, and that's kind of the picture is is that they kind of are in behind that, and the and the parent is kind of removing all the things. Mm. And we've seen this in the news too with like Lori Laughlin and different. People who oh, have, yeah. you know, hey, we're going to get you into the school you want to go to, regardless of whether or not you really kind of earned it. We're going right. to plow this out of the way so mm-hmm. that you can be able to kind of get there. So just culturally, it's something that's shifted. And, and sometimes people don't even realize maybe that that's, that's happened. But just yeah. kind of the hyper-awareness of safety and things that are going on is just uh, not only changed Generation Z, but it's also changed the parents of Generation Z. Okay. Um, which, you know, which affects kind of the way you process things and in situations like this where it feels like every uh, kind of source of safety has been overwhelmed, mm-hmm. it can exacerbate kind of what's going on in the life of a student as well. So, sure. And I guess uh, we're seeing this in the larger culture as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's causing some trends, they're causing some movements that we're seeing, you know, things like that to move. But as you think about a parent right now in this season, uh, when there is hypervigilance like you're talking about, and maybe our teenagers are a bit more sensitive because, I mean, let's just be honest, we're all a bit more sensitive. Right. What, what's the most important thing that a parent can do during this time yeah. for their teenager? Um, I, I think the better, the, the better that you can engage them uh, in, in conversation. So with text messaging, uh, whether it's, hey, we're going to have a dedicated time where we're just going to put all the devices away and we're just going to sit down and have a conversation about the day. Mm-hmm. You know, the old kind of sit, sit down at the table and have a meal together. You know, we have an opportunity to do that now. We've never, we haven't seen that in a long time, but it's like there's <laughs> a lot nothing of meals. on the That's schedule, right. man. Yeah. It's all open. It's wide open. So, you know, you can have that time where you sit down and actually kind of process, like, this is mm-hmm. what's going on. This is what's happening. Um, you know, you can ask relevant questions uh, to them about kind of what, how they're processing this, how they're, how they're feeling about this, you know, things like that. So you may ask, like, you know, wh- how do I know what a relevant question is? And I'm so glad you asked that <laughs> because <laughs> I have some resources for parents, you know, that we have 
um, in our student ministry. Uh, this is a card that helps you understand in a specific grade what, what your student's dealing with. We have um, entire, you know, we have these little small booklets that help you uh, understand kind of where's the mentality of my student right now. And mm-hmm. one of the things that is hard sometimes is um, you'll never know your teens the way you need to know them if you don't take time to discover their world over and over. Right. And so their world is changing. Think about a seventh grader and where their mentality is and think oh, about yeah. a, t- a 12th grader and oh, where yeah. their mentality is. It's Big, com- two completely difference. different yeah. people. And so as a parent, you know, you have to constantly kind of rediscover like mm-hmm. what stage that they're at in their development because really there's not a stage in your life where you're experiencing more change mm-hmm. than the time when, from when you're a seventh grader till the time when you graduate high school. Oh, yeah. So uh, you go really essentially from a child to a, to a fully functioning adult right. uh, in that period of time. And so, you know, as, as Christian parents, as believers, you know, it's our job to kind of equip our mm-hmm. students not only in life, you know, to be successful socially and, and kind of economically, but also to be successful spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so asking good questions. You know, sometimes it's hard to have a conversation with a student, mm-hmm. but asking good questions allows them to kind of yeah. feed, feed the conversation sure. and really kind of feel like they've got, a, they've got a part in it. And one of the things that we've noticed, you know, I have a 14-year-old at home, and, um, you know, one of the things my wife in particular is knowing the timing. Like, mm. there are certain times in the day, right. you know, he's like Fort Knox, you're not getting in, <laughs> right. you know. But there's other times, yeah. particularly you say 10 o'clock at night. Right. He becomes an open book. He sure. wants to talk. He wants to process. Are there a certain, you know, is there a certain time that teens typically open up, or do we just have to take that individually with each with each teen? Yeah, it's definitely individual. Um, you know, and it may change from day to day. It may be, you know, oh, Zach yeah. feels like talking one day, and the other day something happens. Maybe an event that kind of shakes him out of his routine, mm-hmm. um, and all of a sudden he opens up, you know, and he's wanting to really process some stuff. So it depends on kind of the day to day kind of activity, but also if you know you're kind of in a routine and you kind of feel that out as a parent, yeah. uh, which is very discerning, kind of to know, hey, when is the a good time for me to engage my right. student? It makes it much more productive, and it, and it doesn't create kind of this explosion. Sure, know? yeah, you don't want that. So. <laughs> no, you don't want that. <laughs> well, I know um, all across YouTube right now and all across the region here, as Eastwood is gathering together in living rooms, uh, there are teenagers watching, middle schoolers, high schoolers who are watching this broadcast right now, and we're so thankful for that. And so I just want to give you an opportunity to, to speak directly to them. So if you could speak to students, which you are right now, yeah. <laughs> right. what would you tell them during this time? Okay, well, students, what I would tell you is that everything is 100% going to be okay. And you think, well, how can you say that, you know, with all the uncertainty and all the crazy and all the, the, the political leaders, everybody's like, oh, we don't know, there's so much unknown. There is a lot we don't know. But I'm going to tell you what we do know. Yeah. I've read the back of the book, and Jesus wins. Amen. Um, and we're going to be okay. You know, and the Bible um, actually challenging, challenges us in, ver- in John 16, verse 32 and 33, at a time when a lot of the followers of Christ, their faith was shaken. Mm. Um, they were shaken at their core when Jesus was about to be put on the cross and everything that they thought they believed was kind of in question. It was like, is this real? Is this really going to happen? And Jesus encouraged them with these words. He said, look, I love, I love it when Jesus kind of grabs you by the, you know, by the collar oh, yeah. and he's like, listen to me. You know? <laughs> and this is one of those opportunities he says to them. He says, look, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home. How cool is that? Wow, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, and he says, and you will leave me alone. Mm. 
yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. He says, I've told you these things so that you, in me you might have peace. Amen. And that you, will have suffer, that you will have suffering in this world. He says, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in times like this where we don't really know, we don't have confidence, a lot of the things that we put our faith in every day, we don't really realize it, but sometimes we put our faith in government, sometimes we put our faith in, in our jobs, sometimes we put our faith in different things, and when those things are shaken and it's all torn down to kind of the, the bare bones, um, what really is it that commands your, your faith and your confidence? And Jesus said in this moment, when everything is stripped down, when we're all separated and scattered, and we're all sitting in our own home going, what is real, what is not real? He says, take courage. Find your peace in Christ. Find your peace in me, he says. And he says, I have overcome the world. So we don't have to be afraid. Right. We, we, we can be wise. You know, we can be prudent. We can listen to the people that are helping us and trying to help us avoid, you know, to, to catch the virus. But we can have confidence that regardless of what the world throws at us, regardless of what the enemy throws at us, we are going to be 100% okay in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's the message that we take to the world, and that's the message to students today, is I would encourage you, um, Jesus wins. And because we're in him, we win. Yeah, victory in Jesus. Yes. Pastor Justin, thank you so much. And church, thank you for joining us on um, this live stream. And uh, maybe you're watching it as a recording as well, but just God bless you. Thank you. Let me pray for us. And well, Before you uh, we'll do that, going. I forgot to mention the YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, I have a YouTube channel. It's called JMac, and it's, it's going to be providing some comp con content for you guys, specifically to students, but also parents. If you want to uh, subscribe to that, you can subscribe. We'll be providing links on our social media stuff as well for you to subscribe to that. But I'll be talking and unpacking this, this scripture verse in the first two videos, and we'll really be talking about the practical application of how you experience peace, because it's not something that just happens automatically. So uh, I encourage you to subscribe. Yeah. To Sorry to interrupt. No, thank you so much, and thank you all. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today and ask that you would be with us every step of the way. Although we feel scattered, we are not because you are there with us. You're here with us even now. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray that the Holy Spirit, as he has spoken to us through the preachers and through the messages and everything you've heard today, the songs we've sung, God, may our hearts be steadfast and secure in you. Yes. Father, we love you. We thank you for Christ. It's in his name we pray and have hope. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. Have a great week. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a savior. But I have good news. 
God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.